Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. John chapter 20, verse 27. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would um, give me grace to proclaim your word truly, and I pray you would give us all ears to hear your word this morning. Amen. Um, I want to begin in a rather unusual way um, by showing you my leg. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You see, um, I have this nice, it's the only scar I have of note, it's about an inch and a half long on my shin. Um, There you go, I'm so glad that's over. Um, (laughs) When I was uh, 14, I was really into BMX, you know, that like trick biking, and I went to a skate park and did a ramp and tried to like grind on this ledge and my bike, I was terrible at it. So my bike slipped out and something sharp on the bike tore my shin open and blood everywhere. And when you're a 14 year old boy, you're like, yeah, I'm a man now. Um, but that's about my only scar story. <laughs> um, but I, I, I was going to say we all like scar stories. And then I was thinking about it. Actually, really just men like scar stories. I don't know if I've ever had a woman tell me a scar story. Um, so women, please just sympathize with yeah, the male sensibility here. Um, but I say all this because scars are marks in the present of significant things in the past, right? And that's exactly what the scars of Jesus are as he presents them to the apostles as we heard in John's Gospel. He is showing a mark in the present that testifies to a significant act for in the very recent past. So at that point, just three, day, three days before and ten days at the second appearing to Thomas. Um, And the scars do two things. One, it shows the continuity between the risen body of Jesus and the crucified body of Jesus, that it's the same body. The same body that was born from Mary is the same body that can then walk through a locked door when the apostles are met. It's the same body. The scars prove the continuity. But more than that, the scars on the body of Jesus, as he points to them on on his hands and on his side, are a permanently present testimony to his being crucified as a self-offering for our sins. He actually has the marks to show forever that the sort of the fulcrum of his life and existence was to give himself as our ransom, that, that my sins and that your sins are now forgiven, that we're no longer guilty in the eyes of God because Jesus bore the punishment for us. That's what his scars are, a perpetual testimony to. So when you um, read in Hebrews and it talks about our Lord, the great high priest in heaven. Picture him, the great scarred high priest. Right? That he is perpetually in his own body a reminder of the ransom that he paid for us as our high priest. I want to zoom in in, in particular this morning in the scar, the wound, the, the mark of the wound on Jesus' side. I, I don't think I'd rightly sufficiently imagined the size of that wound uh, until really reflecting on the gospel for this Sunday. That uh, In Greek, it's actually even more graphic. It sort of says, like, um, throw your hand into my side would be the most literal translation. That the, the sort of the wound of it the, uh, from the spear, right, that the soldier shoves into the side of Jesus, um, proving that he was dead in John's gospel, blood and water. I mean, probably plasma, but clear liquid came out. Um, that that wound was an enormous wound. 
big enough to throw a hand into. And the reason I, I want to emphasize sort of the size of the wound is twofold. One, something about the size of the wound sort of moves me to think about the suffering of Jesus. Even though he was dead when the spear wound was made, just how much he, how thoroughly he gave over his body for sacrifice. But also what I was thinking about is if the, the void in his side is large enough where Thomas could throw his hand in, Okay, stick with me here for a second. When t- if Thomas were to place his hand there, in a way, he would actually be touching, in terms of feeling, nothing, right? It's, like a, it's a void in his side into which the ha- his, Thomas's hand could be placed. And I think it's actually, the reason this really stuck out to me is that if Thomas were to put his hand in Jesus' side, he's not actually feeling anything with his fingertips, he's actually just placing his hand in the place where the spear cut out from his flesh. And the reason that I'm, this is this sort of peculiar detail I'm fixating on, is because it reveals that Jesus is always trying to give certainty, not to sense, but to faith. And this is a very weird sermon, not only did you get to see my leg, um, I, I invite you to do something a bit strange to me. If you um, close your eyes and stick your hand out in front of you a little bit, you can imagine placing your hand in Jesus' side like Thomas, and you're not actually feeling anything with your fingertips because you're placing your hand into a void, into a place where flesh has been removed. And there's a way in which we too, by faith, can actually sort of have that same experience of Tho- as Thomas, of placing our hand in the side of Christ. Okay, you can put your hand down and open your eyes. Um, I think this is meaningful, that it's actually to touch the place where the, scar, where the spear pierced Jesus is actually to touch nothing. It's really to be connected in some strange way. Um, and the side, I think, is significant as we look at how the scripture is constantly unfolding in this rich tapestry. We've been looking in our Sunday evening classes at how many things in the Old Testament are types or living parables of Christ who was to come. You know, readers of the Bible, a wound in the side kind of catches the ear, doesn't it? How was Eve made in the beginning? From a rib out of Adam's side. This isn't just some sort of accidental alignment of circumstance in the Bible. This was a prophecy that just as Adam's bride would come from a wound in his side, accidental rhyme there, but... um, So the second Adam, Christ, would gather his bride from a wound in his side. Right? Because we've been cleansed by the blood that came from his body, we've been born out of his wound, as it were. We, the church, his bride. And so there's a connection, this wound in the side. Having faith in the risen Christ, in his, the perpetual reminder of his gift to us in his scars, Jesus then actually gives us an exhortation in command form. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And this really um, strikes on something that I've heard in many different quadrants of the church. um, And I'm sure you've heard it before. And maybe a part of you has thought maybe there's some truth to it. And I want to kind of slice through this carefully. But have you ever heard people say, oh, you know, doubts are a part of faith. I've heard a lot of people say that. Um, I don't think that's fully true. 
And what I want to say is this. In this we know we're familiar as Christians with the distinction between temptation and sin, right? That like the thought to do something that is against God's commandments, that's just a temptation. When with your mind or words or actions you will willingly go along with that, well then temptation has slipped into sin. And we know that distinction well. I think, of course, all Christians, just like any other temptation, thoughts will come to mind of, is it all real? Is there really a God in heaven? Did Jesus really die? Did it? Like the thought coming across the mind, of course that happens to everybody. That's not a problem. And so in that way, doubts are normal for the Christian. But I think when we willingly sort of run with it, like, yeah, is there even a God in heaven? Yeah, you know, I'm really going to just wrestle with this. Then I actually think we've slipped away from good faith. And I actually think Jesus, who knows us better than ourselves because he made us, in this very command, when he says, do not disbelieve but believe, he's speaking to our will. Choose to believe. And I don't think this is sort of foolhardy, like, la la la, I'm just going to believe. I just think it means looking up to heaven and with the, a spirit-infused will, saying, yes, Lord, I believe in this. It's crazy in the eyes of the world. We have no sensory evidence, nothing to touch. But I believe. And so I would just offer a challenge. I would, I would ask you to let Jesus' words if you've received this sort of uh, saying that's kind of around these days of doubts are a part of faith, to let Jesus' words challenge that. Do not disbelieve, but believe. But believe. Um, And here we end, actually, I think, on the sort of theme of the Sunday. Today in the church calendar is called World Mission Sunday. That when you truly believe something, you're an evangelist for it, Right? How many of you have heard that there's a Bucky's coming to town? Right? Everybody's talking about it because people are excited. It's, they, it's good news, right? And people say, like, oh, Bucky's are amazing. It's an amazing gas station. Because people believe it's good news, they are natural evangelists for it. Um, if, and anytime someone gets excited, oh, have, have you seen this new app? Do you know about this politician? Like, anything that you think is good news, you evangelize for, naturally. And so I think sometimes we put the cart before the horse when we think about mission and evangelization, and leaping to mission and evangelization, if we actually were just a bit more attentive to belief in our own hearts. You know, St. Paul says, test yourself to see if you believe. I think evangelism and mission would take care of itself. If you really believe this is good news, that the creator of the universe, we will meet him face to face when we die, and he's already paid the ransom so that we don't have to go to hell forever, that we've been set free and cleansed because of his own gift of his own son, if you actually know that that's good news, you'll talk about it when it comes up. The same way people talk about, oh, what's happening now? Oh, have you heard about the Buckies? Here I am evangelizing for Buckies. I don't mean to do that. I'm going to scrub it from the recorded sermon. Um, but we, we naturally evangelize about things we know to be good news. So I invite you on kind of this week of World Mission Sunday week to really just think about belief and to let these words of Jesus ring in your ears. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Amen.